Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. So, in this episode, I'm talking with Alan Stedham. He's a Christian fiction writer, has multiple books out, four books at the time of this recording, and by the time it airs, I imagine it's going to be five books out. He was an interesting conversation, and I can't say this enough, all the conversations I have, I seem to find extremely interesting, and I hope you do too. But with that being said, listen to us discuss why he became a Christian fiction writer, what inspires him, what keeps him going, the different things that he finds is helpful to make him a good writer and not just a Christian fiction writer. So I think you're going to enjoy this. I think it's going to be interesting to listen to his point of view and the ways that he addresses the genre that he's in. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you stick through it. And oh, I, well, forgive that, but I hope at the end of the show, you enjoyed enough to give me a review, tell other people about me. Telling people is usually the fastest and best way to help grow the show. And the more you grow the show, the more I can do for you. So thank you again. And I'll talk to you at the end of the show. So I'm here with Alan and Alan has four books out now, and if you're listening to this past July, it'll be five books. But Alan, he has an interesting background with being in a band since, I think I read, 97, writes songs. Him and his wife both are in the music in, music world in that sense. But on top of all that, the main reason Alan's with us is because he has a book. Actually, not a book, four books out now by the time of this recording, and a fifth one coming out in July. Instead of me going on and on, Alan, how about you tell people a bit about yourself, about your books, and then we can go into the conversation. All right, thank you. And thanks so much for having me on today. Um, my name is Alan Stedham, and I'm a Christian fiction author. And uh, as uh, Eric mentioned, I have uh, four books. Uh, I am married. I've been uh, happily married since 1995. Uh, we have uh, three children, uh, two adult sons and a younger daughter. And uh, and my wife is actually my first editor. So I love that. And <laughs> uh, But I uh, am a traditionally published author with uh, Ambassador International, a small Christian publisher. And uh-huh. um, I have uh, a variety of styles that I write in. Uh, my first book, Mindfire, uh, was a Christian superhero thriller. Uh, then I did a science fantasy trilogy in Christian fiction uh, called the Jordan of Algorand series. And uh, then, um, and that was from 2019 to 2020. And um, I've done a couple of short story things and then this book that I have coming out in July uh, it is going to be more of the uh, traditional Christian fiction, no supernatural or superhero stuff. Uh, it's a slice of life book called The Former Things. But the unique thing about it is that its main character is an atheist, but this is Christian fiction. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a very uh, interesting story and I'll tell you about that in a little bit, but it it uh, is a very hopeful story. It's a redemption story, and um, and I really enjoyed uh, writing it. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting it out there in the public. Um, but uh, yeah, my wife and I are in a 
Christian band called First Light. And um, uh, I mainly play electric bass, but I also do some singing. And um, my, my wife does uh, singing. She plays violin, viola. Basically, we're kind of multi-instrumentalists because I can play a bunch of different instruments, too. Um, and, uh, you know, between family and the writing and church and, you know, day jobs and everything, it's, it's a pretty busy life, but, but I love it. The Lord has really blessed us to, to do what we do and to stay sane in a crazy world. <laughs> well, that sounds good, and I can see that's a difficult thing, especially with today's world. Mm-hmm. So with that, what got you, I can definitely, from listening to you and the bit I've read about you online, I can tell you're very heavily into the Christian life. What actually got you to decide, because Christian fiction is not a big market from mm-hmm. where I've seen it. Mm-hmm. The biggest Christian fiction I think I've ever read has been... Um, the Witch, the Lion, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, yeah. Yep. And I've, I've read other works of his, but I mean, that to me has been the largest Christian fiction and really the first one that comes to my mind. Other than that, you don't really see a whole lot out there. So what made you think or got you into writing Christian fiction? That's a great question. I actually started out writing comic books as a kid. Um, I, I wrote and penciled uh, on typing paper. <laughs> I started at 10 years old, and I had uh, I'd actually started reading, you know, the DC and the Marvel comics back in the late 70s. And mm-hmm. uh, I liked it so much, but I started critiquing them in class. I remember this as like a nine-year-old. And so somebody, some other kid got annoyed with me and said, well, if you don't like it, why don't you make your own? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so I came up with some original characters uh, based on me and my friends at that time. It changed over time. But the, the, the important thing and how that ties into how I got into Christian fiction is that uh, I kept at this because uh, I would write these as I went. I, I, I was the ultimate pantser, as they call it, you know, writing by the seat of your pants. Right. Um With these comics, but I was dedicated to it. I mean, I started doing... 20 page comics by like, you know, by the time I was 11 or 12 and consistently doing it, just like they did the comics that were being put in print for the most part were like 20, 22 pages. And I kept writing the same superhero team that I called the Armin. And, um, and where this, this ties in is I wrote those through 2006. I started in 1980. I did the last issue in 2006 in 20 and then in 2000. Seven, my wife and I wrote a uh, Christian web comic. So I wanted to keep doing comics, but I wanted right. to do things after I'd become a Christian. I wanted to become, you know, do more Christian writing to basically to praise the Lord and to get people conscious of things, but in a non-preachy way. That's really right. important to me because I'd seen a lot of uh, the cheesy stuff that's out there, stuff that, you know, that people may have heard about or seen and it's like, you know, that's not for me or whatever, because people don't like being beat over the head with messaging. And right. so, you know, it did that, that webcomic uh, won an award in 2008 for best spiritual comic. Okay. Then we fast forward to 2013. Uh, there's a thing called national novel writing month, uh, mm-hmm. NaNoWriMo. A lot of people know it by, yep. and uh, the goal of that, is to encourage writers to make a 50,000 word first draft within one month. So I said, I'm going to go for it. But before I did, I had a prayer 
And I chose to hand over all of my creativity to God and say, God, you give me the story. You gave me my creativity. I want to write for you. So anything I write going forward is going to be Christian. It may be fiction, but it's going to be Christian. But I didn't want to, you know, to place myself above God, basically. And so, uh, and the Lord answered my prayer. He surprised me and took a story that I wrote for the Armin comics back in 1985 and brought it back to my mind. I had revised that story in 1996 after becoming a Christian, adding a Christian element to it. And so that all came together to make Mindfire, the first novel that I did. I wrote the first draft of that in 18 days, 56,000 words. Of course, it wasn't anywhere near ready, but it was the first draft. And so, you know, it took years to edit that down. In 2016, I uh, self-published it on Amazon. And then in 2018, I I learned, I'd written another book called Jordan's World, part of the Jordan series. And I participated in a Twitter event, uh, a pitch event called Faith Pitch, hashtag Faith Pitch. And so I pitched Jordan's World and one of the editors from Ambassador saw the pitch, liked the pitch and encouraged me to send in the manuscript. The publisher picked up the manuscript and then something inside me said, well, just go ahead and, and email the publisher and ask him if he'd even be interested in Mindfire since it's already written. And mm-hmm. he was. So I sent it to him. He got back to me in one day and offered me a contract on it. And oh, nice. so uh, it took more editing, more rounds of editing and stuff. But in 2019, on Good Friday, it was released. And, oh. um, you know, that was that was the beginning of all this. That was... That's how things transitioned. But I I had to make that choice that I was going to write Christian fiction. And Mindfire, uh, okay, my, you, you probably saw on my, on my website, and people will see when they go to my website, alanstedham.com, my motto is real, period, intense, period, fiction for the soul. I don't write cheesy stuff. I, I tend to write things that are... Um, a little edgy that are emotionally strong, but, but tell a story that tell, you know, a beginning to end story. And what I try to do is to write something that I would want to read, you know, and I'm pretty picky. So <laughs> I, I wanted to make something that was enjoyable. I wanted to make something that didn't, didn't feel fake, that didn't feel preachy. So, you know, Mindfire just focuses on one character, there's a bunch of characters around, but the main character is named Leah Hamilton. And she is a 20 year old college student, totally normal person until her superpowers emerge. And she has telekinesis, she can lift objects with her mind, and she has pyrokinesis, she can set things on fire with her mind. And she's like, why? You know, <laughs> anybody would wonder, why do I have powers? Well, it turns out her father used to be a superhero. And her biological mother, who she's never met, because she was raised by a stepmother, her biological mother is a supervillain. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's a it's a it's a different take on the the good versus evil. In mm-hmm. that uh, the 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 theme of the book is power alone does not make a hero or villain. And what that implies is it's about your character. It's about the choices you make. And so you know. She's a good person, but she's got these different influences. And, you know, on top of it, she's got, she wants to have a normal life. But 
then there's these powers and then there's so there's there's two stories going on in Mindfire. There's a story in the present with Leia, uh, Leia Hamilton, who has the powers and everything. And then there's a story in the past with the Armin, the superhero team. And so we get to see what happened to them. Why aren't they around anymore? You know, who who is still in the picture? You know, it's a complex story, but it's it's not so complex. You can't follow it. And so I tried to make it very digestible and, you know, I didn't want to have secret identities and, you know, the wahaha villains because people are tired of that. You know, it's, right. it's, there's, a, there's been a saturation in the market and plus that wasn't what the original story was anyway. So it was, it was interesting to be able to do that. It was a, it was kind of like a, um, kind of a, a farewell to the characters for me on a personal note, because it's a stand Mindfire is a standalone story. Interestingly enough, I'm actually working on a prequel for it right now. But um, at that time, I thought that's all there was going to be. You know, I basically right. said, you know, if if the Lord wants me to do more with it, then I'll be open to it. But otherwise I consider this the final chapter. And I wrote it that way. Um, but interestingly, like most comic books, it actually has a cliffhanger ending. <laughs> so that was interesting to do. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's why I write Christian fiction. It, it just it means a lot to me to uh, to share Christ without it seeming like someone handed you a pamphlet. You know, that it's actually a story that 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 the Christianity is a part of the story. But again, it is not it's not preaching at you. It just shows you what's available. It shows what the characters do, how the characters respond to the challenges of life and, you know, pointing to Jesus as the answer for the problems. And so uh, it was a unique challenge, but, uh, you know, one that I've really found uh, amazing to write, you know, to write these stories along the way and to find, you know, uh, how with each different story, there's a different angle because these are completely different characters and completely different books with a completely different circumstances. And like I say, with the, with the case of um, the former things uh, that was unique in that I was never planning to write that book. Uh, it was during lockdown in 2020 and uh, the Lord gave me this idea all at once. It's like your main character has to be an atheist has to, and that this is his story. And uh, another young man, he's 24 years old, his name's Sean Winter, but he's got some kind of difficult past that he has worked, you know, all his young life to overcome his past circumstances. His past circumstances were with hypocritical Christians. So, you know, it basically takes a, a look at everybody. It doesn't just say Christian good, non-Christian bad. That's never the point anyway. It shouldn't be, right. you know, it just says, here's people, here's life and here's God, you know, here's the answers. But, you know, human nature is to try and solve the problem yourself. And it's interesting to show different characters. That is the go to. It's 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 hard to think outside yourself and to reach outside yourself. It's hard enough for people to ask other people for help, much less mm -hmm. to ask God for help. And so. You know, in the case of the atheist, he's he's cut himself off. As far as he's concerned, that's no longer an option. And so to see how the Lord works anyway, 
was really interesting, you know, to write. And so um, it's a hopeful story. It's it's uh, it's got tear jerking moments, but most of my books do. But it's not for effect or for shock or anything like that. It's just because that's the way the story developed. And so I like for the stories to be organic like that, to to feel natural, to act natural, to 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 draw you in because, yeah, it's fiction, it's fantasy, it's this or that or the other, but it still should be relatable on some level, you know, as far as right, where I'm coming right. from. And if I haven't, if I don't do that, then I'm not doing my job as an author. Oh, I agree. Okay. So, so Mindfire basically is a standalone, but you said that it involves, and forgive me the name of it, but because I know I'm going to mispronounce it if I say it, but you have a series, the, um, with three books in it, it's called um, the Jordan of um, Algrant series. Yes, is that tied into the same world as Mindfire, or is that a separate world? It's so okay. It is set. Um, it starts on Earth, but it doesn't stay there. Uh, Algran is another planet in another solar system somewhere else, but it has Earth-like conditions. So it's close enough to Earth to where a human can survive there. And the main character and her mother, uh, Jordan Lewis, and her mother, Janice, are abducted by extraterrestrials and basically kind of taken through a Stargate-like portal to this other world, instantaneous transportation. So Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do spaceships because that just felt tropey to me. You know, I want to do something different. And so it's interesting because these extraterrestrials are the only ones on this Algorand world that have technology. The rest of it is like tribal and primitive. And so uh, these aliens maroon Jordan and her mother on Algorand. They don't speak any of the languages. They don't know what's going on. And so they're taken in by a tribe of people from Algorand uh, called the Makta. And uh, they have to uh, learn the language, they have to learn the culture, they have to basically start over on Algorand. And when we we give uh, the intro to this in the prologue, and then the book actually starts four years after they've been there. And so uh, Jordan was 17 when she was uh, abducted and marooned there. She's 21 when the story starts. And um, in the Mopta, the young people hunt for the food because they're younger, they're stronger, and they're probably more risk-taking, and they don't have families yet or anything, so they're the best suited to go out and, you know, hunt for meat for the tribe. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, others gather the vegetables and what have you. And so uh, it it shows life inside there, but then uh, Jordan, being a human on an, an alien world, still as part of this culture has to decide, well, what do I want to make of my life? You know, she can't be a huntress forever. So, you know, is she going to choose a mate from among the Makta? Is that even possible? And uh, what is she going to do with her life? And then along along the way, she finds out that the aliens that brought her there may actually live on the other side of the planet. So she kind of takes a hero's journey with three of her fellow hunters to go and, you know, she can't, she doesn't have the teleporters. They don't have ships or anything. They have to trek by foot across this planet 
to go through and uh, interact with other peoples, other races, other situations uh, throughout this world, and they don't know what they're going to face. That was the fun of writing Jordan's World, was to basically, I wanted to actually write a fantasy novel, but Mm -hmm. I'm a Star Trek geek, and it's just kind of in my DNA that space and aliens and things have to be in there, or it won't work. (laughs) Same thing, I wanted to write westerns for a while, and I ended up writing a space western, which was awesome. But, you know, with this case, I wanted to write fantasy, but I wasn't feeling it. And so the only way I could write fantasy was in an alien environment. Then it made sense to me for some reason. And mm-hmm. so I was able to develop these cultures. Each, you know, each uh, people on this world have their own culture and their own language. And some of them are similar and some of them aren't similar. Some are warlike, some are peaceful, just like everywhere else. And so right. it was interesting to show this world and even coming up with different terms for the same things that we might call, you know, an earthquake here, they call a landscape there, you know, just coming up with these new terms and stuff and to uh, create a a world you can immerse yourself in. And at the same time, uh, the reason why it's called Jordan's world is because the ultimate question in the book is which world is going to be Jordan's world? Is it going to be earth? Is she going to try and find a way to get back to Earth? Or is it going to be Algorand? And is she going to decide to make a life for herself there? Now, what makes it a Christian fiction is that along the way, Jordan nearly dies. And when she's near death, she has this kind of philosophical conversation with herself, saying basically what a lot of people might when they're close to death. Is this all there is? Uh, You know, is there, you know, is there a God? If there's a God, can he reach me here? If he's only on earth, he's not a very big God, you know, and God answers her and basically gives her a choice. And the result of her choice, which isn't to become a Christian or not, it's something else. Her answer to that question and her basically trusting in God changes the entire course of her journey, the entire course of her life. But it all starts with that one event. And, you know, and that's not the only place that that God is felt in that story. But that's the most important part in the book because it defines everything else. And not just in this book, but in the rest of the series, the other two books. So it's very interesting to, you know, uh, like I said, you know, each story provides its own opportunity to to share and to highlight how is this character going to react? How is this character, how are they going to make their decisions? What's, what's going on with them? And uh, another thing, too, that's important about the series is I made each book capable of, well, each book has a standalone story, but each story is part of the overall series. So it all works together. It keeps moving forward. And so... You know, you could read Jordan's World, and that's fine, you know, or you could read the third book. You might be a little confused, but you could read it. It's its own story. The second book is its own story. In fact, the second book surprised me because it's actually a war book, which I did not expect. (laughs) But basically, you know, at that point, you've got uh, Jordan uh, actually becomes a chiefess amongst the Makta. And another people on that planet decided that they essentially want to start a world war. And uh, I wrote that back in, you know, 
2018, 2019. And it was very interesting to me because I'm not pro-war, but the, but you learn things from wars and you learn Mm -hmm. how nobody wins in war. There's always a cost on both sides, you know, and, but it, it comes down to how are people going to react to that? How are people going to pick up the pieces afterwards? Regardless of whether you win or lose, there's always a cost. And so each book has a story to tell. Each book has lessons for the reader to pick up on and do with it what you will. So I have a question about the series then. Mm. So she's on this alien world, mm-hmm. whole new culture, whole new everything. She has to adjust. Is there a whole nother religious aspect in that culture or is it completely religious like no religion in that world good question um and the answer is overall no there is not a religious structure on that world but there are religious elements present that no one knows about and that was interesting to work with but yeah uh, essentially you know there's um it's it's kind of uh, again like I mean I know in uh, even in primitive societies from long ago that there were uh, there were religious elements but a lot of that has to do with what we know about Earth and what we know about humans but I imagine that on uh, Algorand for example that they might not have ever been exposed to that because there's nothing in the Bible that talks about life on other worlds that acknowledges the stars, it acknowledges the constellations, it acknowledges that God created everything. And mm-hmm. that actually opened the door for me to do this because essentially if God wants there to be life on other worlds, it'll happen. And he doesn't have to tell us. He can choose to right. or he can choose not to. But, you know, for story writing purposes, it made sense that there might be a life on other worlds but they wouldn't have developed the same way as societies on Earth or cultures on Earth. They'd have their own culture. And those cultures didn't have to involve uh, religions. They didn't have to, you know, because the last thing I wanted to be uh, trying to figure out was, uh, okay, so which society does alien sacrifice? No, no, we're not going there. (laughs) You know. Right. Okay, then... You also mentioned, I believe it was Former Things or The Former Thing. Is that the book that's coming out in July? Yes, it is. All right. Can you tell, can you give me a little insight on that one then? Yes. So, uh, again, that's the one that has uh, an atheist uh, young man as the main character. And um, he is, uh, first of all, uh, it's based in Oklahoma City. It's, It's on Earth. It's in the present day. And um, I wanted to have as normal a circumstances as possible because, again, I wanted it to be relatable. And I had to do a lot of research uh, on atheists because, obviously, I'm not an atheist. And um, what I learned was there's a lot of different types of atheists. You know, not Mm -hmm. every atheist is an activist. Not every atheist, you know, cares what anybody else thinks. Some atheists just want to uh, live and let live, you know, kind of got a, you know, sort of a 60s approach to it. And uh, other people, uh, you know, have a beef with 
Christianity and they want to take every opportunity to confront it. And then there's others Mm -hmm. who are fine until something Christian presents itself in front of them. Sean is one of those. He doesn't really have, uh, like, he's not always thinking about this, but then he gets into a circumstance where um, it, it starts off, he's, he's at a new job, and uh, he's in Oklahoma City, and there's a tornado, and the tornado's getting closer, and the guy he's been training with on his job starts praying, and he's like, he, Sean feels betrayed at that point because he thought that his coworker was just an ordinary guy. He was pretty cool. Oh, but you're a Christian. And so it triggers him. And so, right. you know, it takes things like that for him, but it, it also kind of makes him confront himself because, you know, he's had to do these things. He's had to take this viewpoint essentially to help him survive. Uh, again, I don't want to really give spoilers, but there's things in his past that really hurt him and that he had to kind of, you know, pull himself up by his bootstraps type of situation. And so he's leaning entirely on himself. And that has gotten him through college. That has gotten him into his first job. It's gotten him to living on his own for the first time. And so he's got a lot of things on his side. But... The former things refers to the things in his past that keep coming up because he hasn't dealt with them. Because who at 24 knows how to deal with everything in your life? Nobody does. You know, you you do your best, you know, but you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have that little leftover naivete that everybody has, you know, up until they kind of run into enough walls that they figure out, okay, that doesn't work. All right, let's start making mature choices, you know. Right. And then you find out what those Absolutely. mature choices are, you know. So I understand. It's it's a it's a it's an interesting point for for Sean to be at as a character, and and we as we learn more about Sean and how he's handling things or mishandling things, then we start to see kind of um, how God's been in the picture all along, you know, and so it it finally comes up to a point. Uh, where where Sean is going to have to take, you know, that really hard look at himself and see, you know, what he believes and what he who he's going to be going forward. Uh, I, I really like to write for the new adult uh, audience, which is typically 18 to 30, because mm-hmm. um, it's before you've really got kind of cemented in your views about things because usually by 40 or 50 we kind of know what we think and believe and but at 18 and and even a little younger you're still searching for who you are and i think that that's a a really rich area for storytelling and so um i enjoyed that i enjoyed that particularly with sean sean was a real challenge to me because he's an introvert i'm an extrovert so (laughs) i had to write completely outside of myself. I had to go outside my comfort zone to not only represent an atheist that, and accurately, you know, I wanted him to be believable, not just some, oh, I can't say those things because that'll hack off this group of people and such. I, I wanted to make him authentic. That's that's how the Lord led me to, to do it. So he's 
going to say and think things that are probably going to push a few people's buttons. But at the same time, uh, I'm not just trying to reach one audience. I'm trying to make something that anybody, let's say teenager and up, could read. And right. so, you know, I'm, I'm writing for atheists. I'm writing for agnostics. I'm writing for, you know, people of other religions that they might run across this book, read it, and find something that touches them. And, you know, that's, that's the whole point. If you're just writing Christian fiction for Christians, you're literally preaching to the choir. And, right. you know, I want Christians to read this too, because again, in this one, uh, this book takes a, a lens to the Christians, takes a mirror to the Christians as well, because there's all kinds of Christians out there. There's Christians mm -hmm. that are dedicated to the Lord and, you know, doing their very best. And, and then there's those that are, you know, what they call Wednesday, Sunday Christians that uh, they go to church, they do the things, but outside of there, they, there's some question as to how their life actually reflects Christ. And so right. it's not to be mean to anybody. It's just saying there's all these different kinds of people. And, you know, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, God loves you and God wants good things for you. But he also has the Bible to show us how to get there. And so, you know, I, I tried to have that come through in my stories. All right, so is Former Things, is that a a sci-fi or a fantasy as well, or is that more of a contemporary This novel? is contemporary. This is, uh, there is no, uh, no sci-fi elements. There's uh, no fantasy elements. Uh, it, it is what most people would call slice of life or contemporary Christian fiction. And so uh, I... I, one of the things that I, I like about it is that it does have the potential to reach a wider audience than, you know, the, the genres I, I usually write. But I also think there's a great need for those kinds of stories because uh, there's um, one of the things that I am trying to do um, personally and working with other. I've gotten to know a lot of Christian fiction authors over the last few years, and I kind of want to change or maybe in some cases um, create a new perception of what Christian fiction is. Because like you said, most people know C.S. Lewis. Some people may have recognized the name Frank Peretti or a few other authors out there. Um, right. But I think, unfortunately, a lot of Christian fiction has been preaching to the choir for a long time. And But that's changing, you know, um, my publisher and a lot of uh, independent authors that uh, Christian fiction authors that I know uh, or, you know, independent authors that use Christian allegory and uh, Christian themes. Uh, mm -hmm. They are writing a whole new generation of books for a new generation of people. And so, you know, we want to get the word out that, you know, this isn't your grandma's Christian fiction anymore, you know. <laughs> Right. These, these are these are written. Some are serious, some are funny, some are exciting, some are scary, but um, they're heartfelt books. And um, you know, there's there's going to be good and bad with all books. It doesn't matter what the genre. But right. everybody has different tastes. And what you know, somebody uh, may love this book, and the person that reads it next time 
doesn't get it at all. That's great. That's normal, you know, but at least you want to get it out there that it exists and then give people a chance to to read and decide for themselves. Which is always a good option to do. So it sounds like you're reaching multiple genres so you can actually reach more people, Mm -hmm. which is a fantastic thing. And one thing I like hearing is that unlike a lot of the Christian novels I grew up with other than C.S. Lewis, because C.S. Lewis, a lot of people have said they had no idea that it was a Christian book. Mm-hmm. So to me, a good Christian fiction book is doing that where you're not shoving it down their throats or in their face. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when I was growing up, it was if you picked up a Christian novel or anything from the first page all the way to the very end, if you made it that far, mm-hmm. it was all just you were being slapped in the face every page with mm-hmm. either some scripture or some mm-hmm. something on. And you're just like, I'll be honest with you, most of the books I picked up in that genre when I was growing up, I just got to the point. I'm like, this is complete junk. Yeah. And that's, it's good to see that that's changing, mm-hmm. that it's more about the storytelling and adding the pieces in than it is about pushing the faith in somebody's face. Mm-hmm. Because I do believe building a good Christian community is letting people realize that Christians aren't just solely mindset on pushing their faith on other people. Right. So, yeah, I mean, to me, that sounds like a fantastic thing. Well, thank you. Um, the the thing that um, what I what I feel personally is that uh, Christians are called to to serve first. They're you know to help other people to to provide some value to to conversations or just to be there as a listening ear or to uh, to volunteer and and help in ways. And then ultimately, the the goal is. To have other people ask, well, why do you do this? Okay, there's your opportunity. They just asked you why you do it. Now you can tell them why, you know. Right. But if you just come up and, and say, can I tell you about Jesus? You know, they're not <laughs> going to know what to do with that. You know, they're probably going to look at you weird and walk away. So <laughs> there's no right. point in doing that, you know. Absolutely. So, I think so that. You can um, start the conversation with your books with people, and that's a helpful tool as well. Yes. And uh, one of the things that I love to do is also to make uh, trailers, book trailers. And uh, so that way people get, you know, uh, a little bit of a, a teaser of what's going on. And it doesn't have to just be a wall of words, you know, or I'm putting the book blurb every single time. Because, A, most people don't have the patience for that. I don't have the patience for that. And right. But if you present a short video of one minute, a minute and a half, people will tune in because it's we're kind of trained to, oh, well, movies have trailers. Well, okay, cool. The book has a trailer. You know, what's right. it about? And then you can decide it for yourself. Again, you know, it tells you at the end the website and where to go or where it's available. And that is all you need to do. It's that's another thing about, you know, Christian fiction today, as with any other market for books, marketing has to change. You know, marketing is a huge part and authors have to take on a much larger uh, part of the marketing. You know, you can't just write the book and that's it. You've got to get out there and sell it without selling it, you know. 
Right. And so doing things like book trailers, participating in events, uh, you know, writing short stories and getting things out there where people can kind of sample what you're about. Uh, again, that increases the choices. It increases the visibility and it lets people know what you're about without showing too much, without doing the trailer that reveals everything in the movie. Hey, you know, it right. just gives you a taste. And that's, I think that's super important today because people are so busy and have so little time that you, you got to work to get their attention. You got to earn it. And uh, oh, yeah. so I, I want to be able to earn, you know, people's attention and um, hopefully interest. I understand. And, you know, I actually heard today on a show I was listening to where it was pointed out that you have to respect the people that are giving you your time, their time uh-huh. because they Absolutely. might be not, they might not be paying for something like people listening to this show. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting any financial thing from any one of them. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, if they want to support or if they want to go buy my books, more power to them. But in right. general, their time, they're giving me payment with their time. That's right. So we as, I guess, entertainers is what it comes down to is what we really are. We're getting out a message. We all have our own view, but we have to respect the audience, the, our group of people that follow us, the people that give us their time mm-hmm. and give them something that's worth them having. So, yes. so with that being there, if somebody wants to find you, you have a website. I have it on. I have your website, all your links, and all this that you've given me on authorblurb.com, so they can find you there. Where would you say the best place for somebody to find you if they want to contact you would be? Well, the first place would be my website, which is alanstedham.com. A L L E N S T E A D H A M dot com. And uh, also, I'm on social media, so. Um, Probably one of the easier ones is Instagram. Uh, I'm just uh, at Alan Stedham. Uh, on Twitter uh, is another one. I am at Mindfire Novel. That's all one word, Mindfire Novel. And uh, then I have, uh, I have a Facebook page. I have a Facebook reading group uh, on their readers group. Um, that can all be reached through either the links on the author blurb page or on my website. I have the, the mm-hmm. links. So perfect. So with that being said, I do really appreciate you being here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So you and I have been talking for about an almost an hour now, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to end the conversation for everybody else. We'll talk for a few minutes afterwards. So if you can hold on for me, I do like, again, I do appreciate you being here and we'll me. talk. Thank you. All right. So you've listened to the show. You found the interesting things that at least hopefully you found the interesting topics that I found interesting. Or maybe you found topics that I didn't find interesting, interesting. Either way, I hope most of all you found it interesting and you enjoyed it enough. You might go out and buy his book to be able to learn more about his stories. With that being said, you can always find him and all the other guests at authorblurb.com. There we have all the information on the guest, past podcast, links of where you can find the shows. So, and you can always find the shows able to be listened to at authorblurb.com. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed all the other shows that I've done, and I hope you enjoy the shows coming. So, 
leave a review, send me a message, let me know how, what you think, how I'm doing, whatever you want to say. Even if you want to say, hi, I love the show, hi, I hate it, or hi, I just wanted to say hi, you can do that. I'll be happy to hear from you. And other than that, I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.